The scripture reading today is from Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Therefore, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow before God in prayer. Let's pray. Loving Lord, in the stillness of this moment, we need to hear a voice which is your voice above all the other voices in our heads and in our hearts and in the world around about us. So come by your Holy Spirit and take the word that has been read and the word that is now proclaimed and breathe into them your word and then breathe that word into our lives, our very being, that we might know that we have met with you today, that we might follow more closely the path that you have set before us in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. In our sermons through the summer, we're looking at the basic elements of Christian faith. A couple of Sundays ago, I spoke about the Christian God as a God who speaks. And we can hear that God if we're listening, if we're tuned in, if we're on the right frequency in which God, as it were, broadcasts God's voice. God broadcasts to us both in creation, the created order of things, including all of the materiality that we see around about us. God speaks to us through these things. And then God speaks to us as well in the pages of Holy Scripture. This is seen most clearly in one passage of Scripture, Psalm 19, where the two of these aspects of God's revelation to us become clear. Psalm 19 begins like this. The heavens are telling the glory of God. The dome of the sky proclaims God's handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech. But there is no speech, nor are there words, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, through even the silence of 
the material world, the created world. There is a speech from God like a painting speaks about the artist who painted it. And then verse 7 of Psalm 19, there's a transition from the created order of things to God's word coming to us in written form, the scripture, the Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. So God's speech comes to us in scripture as well as in creation. And I said a couple of weeks ago that when God speaks in Scripture, it's not just a matter of do's and don'ts and commandments, though there are do's and don'ts and commandments in the Scripture. We need those guidelines in our lives. There are rules and regulations, but that's the not, not the dominant part of the Scripture. In fact, if we look at the Scripture, the dominant part of the Scripture is story. God speaks to us in stories that are placed within our being, our lives. And then when our story evolves, the stories of Scripture intersect with our stories, and somehow through those stories, whether they tell us something specific to do or not, we hear the voice of God coming to us. So God speaks in rules and regulations, commandments. God speaks in promises, covenant commitments. How incredible that the God who created thousands, billions of galaxies should make commitments to us. God speaks in stories, God speaks in poems and hymns as well. So in a variety of ways, God speaks through scripture, God speaks through the created order of things. And what I want to say today is to uh, add another dimension to the ways in which God speaks to us, another channel, another frequency on which God speaks to us. And that is through God's very life given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God comes to us in flesh and blood and through the person of Jesus speaks to us as well. Let me put it like this. It's one thing to say that God speaks to us through the created order of things. You might think of God as an artist and that artist says to us, here's my painting, study it hard and when you've studied it to the fullest extent, come back and talk to me about it and I will tell you how it reflects my life within that particular painting. God could say that. God could say this about Scripture. God could say, I'm sort of like an academic. Uh, you want to know what's going on in my mind and in my heart? Read my book. I've written a book. Read my book. And once you've read the book, come and talk to me about it. But what happens when we add Jesus as a means of revelation to uh, speak about God speaking to us is that we realize that the artist never leaves the painting and the author never leaves the book. That God, in fact, always wants to be there side by side with us as we hear God's voice. A real live person, as it were, interacting with us. Not just knowledge, not just theoretical assessment of what God might want to say, but the voice of God coming to us in relationship, in human connection. God comes to us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. This kind of connection between knowledge and relationship is something that all of us know and crave for. Of course, we want facts. We want solutions to the problems of the world. We want to know the direction of what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. But most of us, when we think back to those who've influenced us most and changed the course of our lives most, they have shared information, to be sure. But they've shared more than that. They've shared their lives as well. 
I think back to my own school or my own university, my own seminary, and I think back to all that I've learned, and the older I get, the more I realize there's a lot I've forgotten. But then I remember those people who taught me. And there are people who stand out, and there are classes that stand out, and yes, there's information that stands out, but the people who changed my lives associated with the knowledge, ah, that's what I can never forget. The relationship is wrapped up with the information that has come to me. People who changed my life, whose character was linked to the information that they shared, who could be trusted, and therefore I listened to what they had to say. And this is a universal cry that we have within our lives. Not just to be smarter, not just to have more information, but to have that tied in to the life, the real life of other people and our own real life as we live it. This comes home to me again and again the more I get confused about how my television operates or how my computer operates or what I need to know from the bank or anything else where I have to lift up the phone to get some information about what's happening. So we all know this experience. We want to talk to somebody real, but when we dial the number, we get a computer at the other end, and it says press one, press two, press three, press four. And then the one that we come to that I dislike the most is press five to get back to the main menu. And by the way, all our options have changed, and you start in that cycle again and again. And all the while, I'm pressing zero, 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 and I'm shouting into the phone, help, help. Person, person, operator, operator, give me a live person now. And then go to four, and you go back to the main menu, and you start again. But the main point is this, that we long for the information, but we want it in connection with a human being. And indeed, the most transformative forces in our lives are people more than information. It's both, of course, but the people are who change us the voices of real people whom we trust, significant others who are trustworthy coming into our lives. And this is true on a secular level. And of course, it's also true in matters of spirituality and faith. Two former professors at Duke Divinity School, Will Willimon and Stanley Hauerwas, wrote about this when they spoke about the whole process of confirmation, bringing young people into membership in the life of the church. And they said, you know, there's a lot of information that needs to be shared, but if that information is shared and it's apart from the real lives of real followers of Jesus Christ, then it will not accomplish what you want it to accomplish. They'll get a lot of stuff in their heads, but they won't enter into a relationship with the one whom God has sent to us to be the primary source of what we know about God. Our director of youth ministries, Kristen Frankie, has incorporated this into our confirmation process. So dozens of you are now involved in that process, linking your life and your walk with God with the young people in our congregation. Will Willimon and Sani Haravas uh, put it like this. They write, the manner in which most of us became Christian was by looking over someone else's shoulder, by emulating some admired older Christian, by saying yes to an taking up a way of life that was made real and accessible through the witness of someone else. So although books, films, and lectures may play a part in confirmation, they will all be subservient to the main task of putting young Christians in proximity with exemplary older Christians, mentors, 
who will invite these younger Christians to look over their shoulders as together they attempt to be Christian. The importance of proximity of younger Christians with older Christians across the generations as the faith is passed on from one generation to the other. And God knows this power, of course. God invented this power of relationship, the importance of the significant other within our lives. And so to deepen our faith, which is our calling from God, to deepen our faith, to hear God's voice, God speaks to us, not only in the created order of things, not only through the book that God has given to us, but God speaks to us through his presence in the world, in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, all pastors and all officers, deacons and elders in the Presbyterian Church affirm their belief in the centrality of Jesus as the revelation of God to us. When they answer, I do, to the following question which is asked at their ordination and their installation. So we are asked this question, pastors, officers in the church, do you accept the scriptures of the Old and the New Testament to be by the Holy Spirit the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? Is the book God's word to you? Yes, we affirm this as pastors and officers in the church. But the point of the book, do we affirm that as well? The unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ is if the whole of the book has the purpose of drawing us into relationship with God, not just facts and information, but relationship with God made known in Jesus himself. And indeed, the scriptures affirm that it's the purpose of all of creation to draw us back to the one who was there in the beginning of the creation, to Jesus himself. This is what's being said in what for me is one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture that we read very often only at Christmas time. We should read it at other times as well. In fact, I'm going to read a few of those verses right now at the beginning of John's Gospel. John chapter 1 and verse 1 reads like this, where Jesus is called the Word. Jesus is the voice of God. Jesus is the one to whom we know what God is saying. In the beginning, says John, was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, the created order of things. Jesus is speaking through that as well. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What is coming to being through him was life, and the life was the light of all people. From the very beginning of time, God has wanted to speak to those whom God has created. And he has a passion to do this, especially through Jesus, as if God was biding his time to send the primary revelation of his voice to us. And in time, did precisely that. The same message comes to us in the passage of Scripture, which is less familiar to many people that we read uh, today as our Scripture passage from the letter to the Hebrews where the letter to the Hebrews opens like this. It's very similar to John's gospel. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, a person, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory. That's why Jesus speaks the voice of God. 
and the exact imprint of God's very being. That's why his voice can be trusted. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. That's why we know that his voice is the voice which has transformative power within it. When he made purification for sins, when he reconciled us to God, bringing us back into an intimate relationship with God, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. These are powerful passages. God's passion to speak, even though we say God is so silent. God is speaking through the creation, through the scripture, and through Jesus. God's passion to speak, not just with information, but in relationship, made manifest in the person of Jesus. And if we want to deepen our faith, to grow in faith, not just to know about God, stuff, information, but to know God in person, and to be transformed by that relationship. And we all know within our lives those relationships which are stagnant and those which are transformative. Which when we're with somebody, for good or for evil, we are transformed by that relationship. If we want that relationship to be transformative, then we need to listen to what God is saying to us through Jesus. And we need to watch what God is doing for us in the person of Jesus and through the watching and the listening to know the word of God. So what did Jesus say? Well, of course, we could spend forever answering that question. But let me just summarize, give you the cliff notes of some things that Jesus said. Enough for you to take home at least one of these should resonate, I trust, in your heart and your mind long after this service is over. But then we begin to fill our lives with these words of Jesus, which to us become the word of God. Yes, God speaks to us. When Jesus speaks of our value to God, we heard of this last week. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Jesus says this to you, to me, as we heard last week. Not you must become, but you are. Is this who you are? Do you say, I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Whoa, what does that mean for my life? There's power in that word. It's a word about your value from God. Jesus adds, do not be anxious about anything because you're of more value than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Do you believe that? God is speaking to you, and some of you are resisting the belief in your worth. And you must hear that word as a word through Jesus from God. Jesus speaks about our human relationships and the need to be reconcilers. We are to love one another, says Jesus. We've heard that many times. Even our enemies, our whole nation has forgotten that. And in that, we are no longer following Jesus Christ. But we're to love even our enemies. We're to forgive as we've been forgiven. We are to see in anybody who is close to us a neighbor whom we have been called to love doesn't matter what party affiliation they have. doesn't matter what moral standing or outrage they've committed. doesn't matter their race, whoever they are. Says Jesus, that's your neighbor. And you've been called to love them. That's a word of God to us. Don't say God doesn't speak. God has spoken. And we've been called to tune into the right frequency, the right channel, and ultimately to the channel which points us to Jesus. Jesus speaks to us about the need to be genuine, not fakey or shallow in our faith, but to allow what's on the outside to go into the inside. And he doesn't mince his words. Woe to you who are like whitewashed tombs, he says to the Pharisees. Ooh. 
Is that God's word to me right now? He speaks about trusting God with our priorities and then with our generosity. Seek first the kingdom of God. What are we seeking? God is speaking to you. Seek first the kingdom. Are you? Are we? Am I? And everything else that's filling our heart and our mind, says Jesus, all of that, God will take care of that. Let it settle down. But seek first. Get your priorities right. And then, in fact, once you do that, you can become more generous in your life than you ever imagined was possible. When Jesus is in a confrontation with some of the people of his day, he says quite explicitly to them, they, they ought to be tithing their income. You tithe mint and dill and cumin from the farm. This you ought to be doing, he says. Now, don't forget the weightier matters of the Lord, justice and mercy. But the command of Jesus is that we should be generous with what has been entrusted to our care. So it's just a nutshell of some of the things Jesus said. There's much more than that. But are we listening to what we know? Not what we don't know, not what we haven't reached yet, but the things we know. God is speaking through Jesus and through his teaching, what he says, and speaks to us as well through his life, what he did. So what did Jesus do? Well, if I were to summarize that, give the cliff notes to what Jesus did, I might say that what he did was this. He loved us, he served us, and he suffered for us. If that's what Jesus did, how is that? going to impact the way I live my life. Love, service, suffering, hard words. But if he's the model, then this is what we must look toward. So remember one of the great stories in Scripture in John chapter 13 of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. It's the night before he's going to be arrested that night and he's going to be hanging on a cross very shortly and he's in a room with his disciples. We call it the upper room. And as they're eating the Passover meal, Jesus suddenly leaves the, the table and begins to get a bowl of water and to wash their feet. We read this, he got up from the table, took off his outer robe, tied a towel around him, poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. After he'd washed their feet, had put on his robe, he returned to the table, said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have set for you an example, he says. Here's my life. Here's what you need to be doing. Are we watching? God is speaking to us through that example, that you should also do as I have done to you. What for me is particularly powerful in the story is that Judas is in the room at the time. There is no excuse saying, I'm going to wash their feet, but not his feet. He washes them all. No excuses, no boundaries there. He came to seek and to serve that which was lost. He still serves them. And when it's unjust, even as he hangs on a cross, he doesn't condemn those who unjustly condemn him. How hard is that? And when we know that that's what God wants us to do, that forces us to pray and say, I need help. Help. Jesus' example is powerful. He still serves them. Peter speaks about this. He says, if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called. 
Once again, why? Well, because of the example of Jesus, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. His example leads us further than we would ever want to go by ourselves. But God is speaking and pushing and pulling us into places which are uncomfortable for us, but that's where he wants us to go. And then the final scripture that I want to share is from the second part of our scripture reading, this time in the 12th chapter of Hebrews, which is quite explicit. Look to Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the old King James Version. Look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the suffering of the cross, despising the shame, but is now seated at the right hand of God. God honors those who go the second and the third mile with him. Consider him, says Hebrews 12, who endured such hostility against himself from sinners that you may not grow weary or lose heart. Eyes on Jesus focused on him, the relational revelation of God, speaking to us through what Jesus teaches and speaking to us through his example. God speaks. Want to deepen your walk with God? Want not to have a relationship with God which is sort of shallow but profound and transformational? Then remember that God is a God who speaks. God speaks through everything around us. Are we stopping and listening? The magnificence of this place, the magnificence of the grander universe around about us. God speaks through creation, that's sure. But he speaks as well through the book. Are we making time to read the book again and again and again and again? It doesn't need to be much, but to focus on the fact that this is the channel to which God speaks to us. And then ultimately in all things. Do we know that God is speaking to us through Jesus, that God came to us so desperate as God to speak to us, that he entered the world on our terms, on our turf, and in the teaching of Jesus and in the example of Jesus, God has a word for us today that will never, ever grow old. Let's bow before God in prayer. Holy God, help us to know how to be still before you and to wait expectantly for your voice and to know that that voice is all around us if we will but tune in and listen. So may this be a day in which we hear your voice and every day that you have made be a day in which we hear your voice and our faith and our trust and our hope that is founded on you grows stronger and stronger. It is through Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, that we pray our prayer. Amen.